This, this is the second, second Story Podcast. Welcome back to the Second Story Podcast. I'm Max Spitz. I love Halloween. As far as holidays go, it's hard to beat. No matter what age you are, there's always something you can do to celebrate it. You know, personally, I don't dress up in costume anymore. And for me, Halloween now means a night of cooking foods with strong autumn energy and watching classic horror movies. But for some, the practice of dressing up is freeing, creating a chance for exploration and acceptance of new identities. In this week's story, teller Audrey Farber shares how one fateful Halloween evening gave her the opportunity to take the first step of many towards self-discovery. Recorded live at Pub 626 in Chicago in February 2020, Second Story is proud to present There is a First Time for Everything. 1992. November is here at last. Last night is like a foggy dream of abandon. It raised lots of questions but provided few answers. As was foretold to me, Carol did go to Champagne with Matt and Jeff. Painful but predictable. This is another symptom of our ever-disintegrating marriage. The more I explore, the farther apart we grow. She wants to have fun. When did I stop being fun? She wants to go see male strippers. She wants to be with a real man. Who could blame her for that? Though heartbreaking, her departure provided an opportunity. Halloween, the most perfect day for me to have an opportunity. I did my makeup and got dressed in my new fuchsia dress. It was beautiful. I worked for hours on my press-on nails. I agonized over the challenge of two coats of red polish. The end result, well, not good. I then took off the dress and stood there wondering, would that be the end of it? I was executing a loose plan to dole out these experiences due to the dread of where this path was leading. I debated. It was getting late. The window of opportunity was closing. I tried to talk myself out of going. I had no costume. Almost all of my meager woman's clothing collection were business clothes. How would that work on Halloween? After a long internal struggle, I decided to shave my legs. That was a sign. It was one thing that could not be undone by morning. Carol would be disgusted by them and I would have to live with that. But once that was done, there was no turning back. My legs were smooth and tingling. My whole existence was tingling. With the pressure on, I came up with a bad idea for a costume. It was that of a symphony flautist. It consisted of a long black tight skirt borrowed from my daughter's closet a tuxedo shirt of mine with a bow tie, nude stockings, a pair of black pumps, and a wig from the costume shop by Six Corners. My fruitcase completed the outfit. The costume was bad, but it was my ticket into the world. I loaded up the clutch purse borrowed from my wife's closet with lipstick, keys, my mail wallet, which was less than perfect, and headed toward my destiny. I started the car but hesitated before pushing the garage door opener. I could feel my life about to change as the door opened. It moved in what seemed like slow motion, revealing the world for, to me for the first time. Even though it was dark and raining, the colors were stunning as when Dorothy first saw Oz. 
the orange Halloween lights glowed across the street. The leaves on the almost bare maple shimmered in my headlights. I raced out of the cul-de-sac, hoping to avoid neighbors. I gasped as a vampire flew toward me. It was just a vampire cape on Shelley's mailbox that got caught in the wind. I escaped cleanly. I was not sure of my destination, but I was sure that I was going somewhere to breathe the air and to be alive. I had sought counsel prior as to what my destination should be. I had discovered the one-in-one shop, a small storefront that sold women's lingerie to men, and had a little library of trans fantasy books. To find it, I stumbled upon an address of a support organization, wrote a letter, and waited for a reply. That's how things got done in 1992. I checked the mail each day, hoping for a response like a kid waiting for a toy. Eventually, I had a list of books and safe vendors. The one-on-one was one of the scant few vendors on the list. When I ventured there, I would never park in front for fear that someone might be watching for a guy entering. Even walking from the side street past the auto shop filled me with trepidation. Did the mechanics look out and say, I bet he's one? As I walked... Who knows? Karen was the owner. She was the only trans person that I knew. She had transitioned and was living as a full-time woman. When I asked her for a Halloween destination, she said, go to Boys Town. I asked for a specific place, but she said, go anywhere. You'll have fun. I had never considered going to Boys Town. I had concerns about Boys Town. (laughs) Going out in public was a big enough challenge, but going to Boys Town might be a bridge too far. I might find out things about myself that I was not ready to know. I found myself driving down Lake Avenue with the unkempt wig obscuring my periphery and high heels causing me into unfamiliar leg positioning. My smooth stocking legs felt so incredible as I worked the clutch. I had to stop at a couple of stoplights and feared discovery by those stopped next to me, but the dark and the rain conspired to bore me into just another woman driver. I drove slowly, smelling the roses as I meandered. I wondered if anyone muttered under their breath, woman driver, that would have been so cool. (laughs) I felt safe in the car, but wanted desperately to take a walk in my girl shoes. It would be so sublime to step into the world dressed as the woman I am. What if I cross paths with someone? Would they know? Would they see me for who I am? Would a house fall on me like the Wicked Witch of the East? Would I melt like the Wicked Witch of the West? What fate, if any, would befall me? I thought about just going to a park in some distant suburb. Considering the gusty wind and the light rain, I would likely be alone to walk in my girl's shoes. But what then? Go home? As the car reached the expressway entrance, to my amazement, the old Volvo leapt onto the on-ramp, pointing us both toward the city. I'd be going to Boys Town. I headed south on Halstead from Broadway. The traffic was stop and go amid a circus atmosphere in full bloom. The street was awash with revelers in costume. Many of them were men in dresses making no pretense of being women. One guy had a mustache and wore a wedding dress. This eased my fear of discovery. I had found my place in the world, and no one would be looking twice at me. Just before Addison, I saw a place with a manageable-sized crowd. 
The place was named Vortex. There was a sign in the window, Halloween Fantasia, $6. That would work. The next challenge was parking. I went around the very long block several times without any luck. How far could I walk in these heels in the rain? Each time that I made the circuit, I slowed down as I passed the vortex entrance to check it out. There were both men and women entering in all kinds of wild costumes. I did not expect to see women, but seeing them made me feel more at ease. No parking, no place to pay for parking, and there was little or no hope that a space would open up. I began to feel deflated. The side of me that was screaming, don't do it, said, see, it's not meant to be. But then on what I had decided would be my last circuit around the block, someone pulled out right across the street from Vortex. It was near miraculous. I did not hesitate. Before exiting the car, I looked in the mirror to check my makeup. It would do all right. I applied some uh, lipstick using the sun shield. I had always wanted to do that. I opened the door visualizing swinging my legs out gracefully and confidently, but my heel caught in the door jam, ruining my graceful moment. I recovered quickly and soon found myself standing in the street with the fall breeze caressing my thighs. It had been so many years that I had dreamt of this moment. It was happening. It was really happening. I had found the courage. The rush of feeling was more than I could comprehend. I tried to process as I waited for an opening in the traffic. It was very important to me that I take my first steps in the most feminine possible manner. The heels and tight skirt assisted in that goal. I scampered across the wet, busy street without incident. My confidence was growing. I was on my way. I waited in a short line. Soon I found myself sitting cross-legged at the bar. But how was I to know how to behave? I was so new. Who was I? What do I drink? If approached, what would my story be? Would it be that I was a guy dressed as a girl for Halloween? Or would I share my truth? There was no one to guide or help me. I was on my own. A guy approached me and asked if he could buy me a drink. I accepted. When he asked my name, I told him, Jim. He said his name was Frank. He complimented me on, his na- on my nails, signaling that I could not believe anything that he said. <laughs> when he asked me if it would be okay if he held my hand, I replied, no. You might like it, he countered. This is, that's what I'm afraid of, I answered, but Frank was not to be deterred. As he caressed my hand, I tried to tell him about what I was experiencing. He did not seem interested, but said, talk to me, Jimmy, whenever I ran out of things to say. I told him that he was the first person that I had ever talked to. I told him of my embarrassment at having only my male voice. I explained that I had thought that I would find the girl inside and she would have a wonderfully sweet voice. Talk to me, Jimmy, he kept saying. I wanted to tell him how afraid I was of the changes that were surely coming and how alone I felt, but I did not. All he cared about was caressing my hand and listening patiently. When I hesitated, he said, talk to me, Jimmy. Why, as bad as I looked and having no clue how to behave, was I still being treated as a woman? It did not matter. It was pure awesome. Frank asked me to go somewhere with him. 
I made it clear that I was not interested. You might like it, he said. That's what I'm afraid of, I answered. So he moved on. He was very active in seeking out someone to go somewhere with him. He was hitting on everyone. He did not seem to care about who they were. He was open to all. He was very free, and I envied him for that. He eventually disappeared into the center of the vortex. I was alone again. That made me sad. Loneliness was the one problem I'd hoped walking in the world might solve. Frank had made me less alone, and for that I was grateful. I turned my attention to the circus atmosphere. There were TV screens showing a costume contest. It was fascinating sitting there, drinking it all in, wondering what would be next for me. I stayed for a couple more drinks, but then I grabbed my flute case and my purse and headed back to the old Volvo. No need to say goodbye to anyone. I arrived home after two to a dark house. There was girl mess everywhere. Everything that I owned was spread about haphazardly. The bathtub was clogged with hair. I would have to tidy up first thing in the morning. I snuggled into the bed, my shaved legs loving the cool cotton sheets. I fell asleep dreaming of costumes for next year. Maybe Glinda the Good Witch. This story was curated by Deb Lewis, produced by Ariella Khan, and directed by Max Spitz, with music and sound design by Mariana Green. The Second Story podcast is produced by Max Spitz. Second Story is located in the traditional homelands of the Council of the Three Fires, the Odawa, Ojibwe, and Potawatomi Nations. Our programming is made possible by the MacArthur Fund for Arts and Culture at the Richard H. Driehaus Foundation, the Paul M. Angel Family Foundation, the Gaylord and Dorothy Donnelly Foundation, Illinois Arts Council Agency, Innovation 80, the Lupo Family, Eric Rothstein and Gina Wamek, Athene Karras and Thomas Applegate, James Lupo, Jessica Wetmore, Jeffrey and Joan Goldwater, Katie and Peter Hauser, and many generous individuals like you. I'm Max Spitz, and this This is the Second Second Story Podcast.